1: Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books
2: on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Folks, welcome again uh, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Always so pleased when you join us. This is, of course, it's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, in Orlando, and we gather like this uh, every weekend, and thanks to Alan Dempsey, our engineer, we get on the air, and also thanks to Andrew Hrdliska, who produces this show every weekend for us. Steve Argue is with us in this first segment. Uh, He's in Pasadena, California, Associate Professor of Youth, Family, and Culture at Fuller Theological Seminary. His new book is out. It's called Growing With, Every Parent's Guide to Helping Teenagers and Young Adults Thrive in Their Faith, Family, and Future. Steve, great to talk to you. How are you?
3: Pat, so good to talk with you. Thanks so much for having me on your show, and hello to all your wonderful listeners out there.
2: Steve, why another book about dealing with teenagers and young adults?
3: Oh, it's a great question. You know, um, there are a lot of books out there, um, but I think parents are really looking for resources. They're looking for ways to really come alongside and help their kids. And I think what's happening, especially as we look at our society today, is that as our kids are growing up into the teenage and into the young adult uh, years, it's just taking longer for them to navigate an increasingly complicated world. And so it's raised new questions for Uh, young people. But what it's also doing, we're discovering, is it's raising new questions for parents as well, new um, situations that they're having to navigate, new um, uh, ways that they need to think about their own parenting. And so uh, my colleague Kara Powell and I wanted to uh, engage the 13 to 29-year-old range and really begin to say, well, how can we Uh, help parents understand what's going on uh, with young people in this age range, and uh, what can we do to help? What can we do to offer um, some support and some encouragement uh, for parents who, you know what, we're all looking for um, a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of support along the way.
2: Your book, Steve, breaks down into four parts. Part one is simply called Growing with Parents, and you talk Mm -hmm. about growing up today, how our kids' paths are different from ours, and pursuing the growing with posture parenting yeah. in real time uh, can you fill us in on that first part
3: yeah thanks for asking so the title is very very intentional i think a lot of times when we uh, see some resources out there um if you look at the subtext it almost sounds like well what do uh, what are the strategies that strategies that i can use to fix my kid or control my kid or um you know, get them on this perfect path uh, along the way. And what we realized is that the parenting journey is as much our own journey as it is our kids' journey. And so we wanted to write this piece to say, you know what, uh, parenting is about us growing with our kids. As our kids are changing, we're changing as well. And so uh, we, we really say that growing with is a mutual journey of intentional growth for both ourselves and our children that trust God. Transform us all. So it's a it's a mutual journey where uh, we're changing, our kids are changing, our relationship with them is changing. It's intentional growth. We have to keep our eye on the ball. The parenting that we did yesterday won't necessarily work today, and so we have to keep realizing that there's a dynamic role there. Uh, it's for both ourselves and our children. As I mentioned, uh, I'm growing, I'm changing. My my children are changing. Uh, And we're trusting that God's transforming us all, that we really believe that God is making us and growing us into the people uh, that God wants us to be. So that's really our hope as we think about this idea of growing with and what we're trying to accomplish.
2: Let's move to part two, thriving in family, getting warmer, everyday steps that build withing, walls of support, withing that repairs and reorients your relationship. Uh, I'm eager to hear all about this.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking. So in the subtitle of the book, we really want to encourage and help teenagers and young adults thrive in their faith and their family and future. So this idea of thriving in family is really uh, us connecting uh, this verb that you mentioned, this idea of whipping. How do we continue to grow uh, with our kids and um, and think about that dynamic as they gain more autonomy as they're making decisions as they're growing up, my relationship with my children is changing as well and so the dynamics there force us as parents um, to to re- recalibrate our relationship uh, with them and uh, and so the, the ways that we think about that is we really um, a lot of times when we think about uh, adolescents and young adults, well, there's a broad swath of, uh, of range and definition. And we've really broken that down into really three stages between 13 and, twi- uh, and 29. 13 to 18 is what we call the learner. Uh, the learner is someone that really needs uh, and is growing uh, and is like a sponge when it comes to the ways that they're changing physically and spiritually and relationally and intellectually. Uh, and what they need uh, from us as parents is, is is us really to take the role as a teacher, right? A good teacher that is helping them understand how to learn and grow and navigate uh, the world that they're growing up in. And then uh, really uh, ages 18 to 23, uh, and, you know, these are not like hard to fast stages, but generally around ages 18 to 23, we see something shift with our kids. They move from being a learner to what we call being an explorer, uh, they're potentially stepping away uh, from their home, or at least their, uh, their home rhythms that they've known as a teenager. Uh, and uh, the world is opening up to them with new possibilities. And at the same time, an 18- to 23-year-old is also not really sure about themselves yet. And so what, what a, a, an explorer needs from a parent is we need to shift our role to become a guide. And you know, if you think about a guide, like on a hike, um, a guide walks alongside an explorer, in such a way that there are times where the young person or the explorer is leading the way. But in a more technical uh, terrain, sometimes uh, the guide takes the lead. And so our role shifts there. And then when we move uh, uh, to our kids getting older, 23 to 29, we call them a focuser. And a focuser is really a young person who's made some choices in life, both good and bad, that has led them uh, in a direction where it's opened up new opportunities for them, And at the same time, um, they're grieving losses for some of the choices that they've made as well. And so focusers are excited and also grieving as they think about uh, where they're at in life. And so focusers need from their parents to um, really be resources. Uh, A parent can't jump in and and fix the situation, but they're there for them, uh, supporting them, uh, and uh, available to them as the focus there comes to them, so this, this shifting of the, the parenting role along the way is part of this whiffing um, uh, dynamic that we think is important and I think what happens a lot of times with parents is that we get our signals crossed we, um, uh, we act like teachers with our older kids or we act like guides for our, our younger kids, and that's when the uh, we sort of miss each other. That's when the conflict comes. That's when the misunderstanding comes.
2: Our guest is Steve Argue, a co-author of the book, Growing With, the Baker Books put the book out. And, um, Steve, now uh, we've got to move to part three, Thriving thri- thriving in Faith, Personal mm-hmm. faithing, faithing, A Quest for a Faith that Grows With uh, faithing together, searching for communities that support our faith journeys. Uh, Give us a feel for that.
3: Yeah. So, you know, not only I think our parents worried about whether or not they're going to grow apart from their kids, but I think a a lot of us parents, of which uh, religion and faith uh, is really important to us, we're worried about them growing uh, away from, uh, moving away from God. And uh, and so we, we see a lot with young people, um, a, a lot of narratives out there of uh, young people leaving the church or not caring about God or um, these type of things. And this pro- produces a lot of anxiety with the parents that we, we talk with. They, they want their kids to have Um, a a sense of faith and um, to know that God uh, loves them. And so, you know, we we use this uh, verb, and we didn't make it up, but some of the researchers have this idea of faithing. And faithing is really owning and and embodying our journeys with God as we encounter new experiences and and information. And what we've discovered in some of our research is really interesting. It's Um, is that the 70% of teenagers actually experience a sense of doubt uh, when it comes to their faith. But that's not really the problem uh, with faith. What we also found is that half of those who experience doubt never tell anybody.
2: My guest is Steve Argue. And when we come back, uh, we'll pick up with Steve on that point that he was talking about. But we need to take a break here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is 94.9 FM and AM 950 The Word in Orlando.
1: More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now,
2: once again, here's Pat. Steve Argue is our guest. He's in Pasadena, California, talking about his book Growing With. Steve, I want you to pick up exactly where you were uh, just before the break.
3: What we're finding is that young people uh, who experience doubt oftentimes don't tell anybody that they're experiencing doubt. So we're finding that... Uh, the hard part for young people in faith is not that they uh, have questions or that they're, they're doubting, but they're they're not uh, telling anybody. And we feel like one of the best relationships to foster good conversation is between the parent uh, and the child. And so uh, we use this concept of faithing to say, let's engage in the conversation uh, that we have uh, with young people about the way that they're growing in their faith. Faithing is a way that we're emphasizing. Uh, that it's more of a verb than a noun. We don't just have faith, but we actually faith. It's changing, it's growing. It's trying to navigate uh, a world. And what young people really want is to know is can my faith handle the growing complexities of the world and information that I'm experiencing? And so as parents, we have to uh, in, in many ways reflect on our own faith. And, um, and as our kids raise questions about, Um, God and faith and life, it challenges us to actually... Think more deeply and are more articulately about uh, our, our own faith as well. And there's other research out there that just says that sometimes uh, faith just isn't a topic in our in our families. That uh, one of the reasons that um, faith sort of begins to dissipate with young people is that it hasn't become sort of a common language within our own uh, homes and in our own conversations. So in the book, we really try to get some strategies and uh, encourage parents to take that risk. Uh, to talk about uh, faith in their home. Uh, simple things like, I'll pray for you, or uh, to tell your own story of how perhaps you came to faith. Or when kids, our kids raise questions, um, to say, you know, that's a great question. Let's try to figure this out together. And so what we want to do is foster uh, an environment where faith is a part of our everyday language rather than something that's only relegated uh, to Sundays. And then I think what can happen is it opens up new possibilities to navigate faith as young people continue uh, to to grow in their lives.
2: Now, I want to um, move on to the fourth part of your book. It's called Thriving in Future, Adulting, Relational Adulting, Friends, Love, and the Search for Connection. Vocational Adulting, Shaping Our World Through Service and Career. Uh, Tell us all about that one.
3: Yeah, so, you know, this idea of adulting isn't new. It's been around uh, for a little bit, and it's used tongue-in-cheek in in, in some ways. But the way that we uh, harnessed it in the book was to talk about this idea of relational adulting and vocational adulting. As young people are growing, they're thinking about um, their relationships outside their family the friendships that they have the um, uh, the deeper romantic relationships that they might be uh, entering into and so as parents I think we just want to be aware of uh, how we're navigating that and as our kids are getting older into their 20s the way that affects our family di- dynamics and so we offer um, some strategies for that and then this idea of vocational adulting is thinking about well you know what is a young person becoming how are they um, stepping into who God has called them? be. And, you know, I, I think what we're finding in the research um, through a number of different researches is this, is that some young people uh, view the 20s or the third decade of life as um, this period where um, uh, they, 30 is the new 20, where I don't really have to sort of uh, reach my uh, adulting goal until uh, 30. And part of that is true. It is just taking longer uh, to grow up in the world that we are a part of. Um, but there's been other research that suggests that the third decade of life is also about a decade of investment. How are we investing our lives well in this, uh, uh, in this third decade of life so that uh, young people are living into who God has called them to be uh, by the time uh, that they're 30? And so as parents, I think it helps us to think of um, 20s, uh, for our kids who are in their 20s, to sort of think about it uh, in in that way. How are they investing their lives and what can we do to foster and encourage them to make good choices in the ways that they're thinking about their their career, about their relationships, about their interests, about their health, about their spirituality. Um, And so we think there's tremendous uh, hope for that, not only as parents, but I think this is a beautiful place to think about the role of the church as well. I mean, the church is an intergenerational group of people that offers support uh, for families and Uh, I think that if uh, churches said, hey, we're here to be a resource for support for those who are in in their 20s, I think what we see is uh, people in their 20s actually very interested in what the church has uh, to offer, and we would be doing less uh, wringing of our hands and thinking that they're leading the church.
2: Now, uh, let's um, have you talk, Steve, about the conclusion, Uh, growing with from here on— Uh, What's the challenge here?
3: I think the challenge is to remember uh, that we are on a journey together, that as parents uh, of kids, our relationship is constantly changing, uh, that there is hope in the parenting journey as well, that no matter where we we are at, whether we feel like we've blown it with our kids or we feel like we're doing great with our kids, that it's never too early and it's never too late to take a step toward our kids, and you can do that uh, today. So for the parents uh, who are feeling defeated, I want them to know, and we want them to know that there's always hope. And for those that are doing a great job, to remember that they should just keep doing it and to remember that each day is an intentional act of stepping toward our kids as we grow together.
2: Steve, is adolescence and young adulthood today really that different than when you grew up or when I grew up?
3: Yeah, that's a great question, Pat. And actually, the answer is yes. I mean, I think sometimes what parents, what adults often say is, hey, you know, when I was your age, and uh, as soon as they start that connection, I think that a lot of adults are thinking that's a way of connecting with young people. But for young people, they almost hear that as a barrier, because um, as soon as I say to my kids, when I was your age, they say, well, the Internet wasn't even around when you were my age, or Uh, life was completely uh, different. And so I think what we have to remember is that even though we may have had an adolescent or young adult experience, when we had that adolescent or adult experience is dramatically different. And so empathy allows us to actually consider, well, what's the experience that an adolescent or an emerging adult is is having uh, right now? Uh, What are the new pressures that they're facing? We're finding that anxiety and depression is going up. We're seeing um, that the amount of training that a young person needs to actually become a contributing member of society is actually um, increasing. We're seeing um, college debts going up. So there's a lot of factors environmentally that has an effect on the experience that young people have right now that is making uh, it a completely different experience than uh, when you or I grew up.
2: Steve, how have mobile devices affected teenagers, young adults, and parenting?
3: Uh, You know, I think it has. I think there's some research that says it's changing the way that we are engaging each other. (laughs) But it was really funny. The other day, uh, in my neighborhood, I I saw this— uh, older uh, grandmother on her phone standing on the corner working on it, like I, tongue-in-cheek wanted to walk over to her and say, boy, grandparents these days, they're always on their phones. So I think we're finding that it's not just teenagers that are on their phones, but, uh, but people in, in general. And I think that with any technology, I think we can say that there are things that enhance our relationships and there's also things um, that can hinder it. I find that with my my own girls, who two of them are uh, living in a different city from where I am right now, they're in their 20s, Um, that technology is a great way to stay connected uh, with them. And at the same time, I find that sometimes we can be in the same room, and if we're not careful, technology can make us feel like we're a million miles away. So technology isn't necessarily the culprit for our relationships with our families, but I think it can actually uh, maybe exasperate the best and the worst of our uh, relationships. But I think we just need to keep that in mind.
2: Steve, tell me about the students and young people you're working with at Fuller Theological Seminary, how uh, how would you describe them?
3: You know, uh, you know, I, we work with uh, with some really uh, talented uh, individuals that really want to make a, a difference uh, in the world through their theological training, through the ways they want to perhaps go into ministry or work for nonprofits. Um, and so there is this entrepreneurial spirit that I absolutely. Uh, love uh, about them. and you know also, I think what uh, one of the big goals that I have with them is to continue to help them find find their voice um, to uh, to uh, help them find a voice that's stronger and more articulate. And so a lot of the work that I do with them is helping them to discover who God has called them uh, to be. And what they are looking for um, in a parent, but also I think in a mentor, is someone that can call out the best in them, to see, uh, uh, in them, what perhaps they aren't ready or uh, able to see themselves, and to be that older person that is able to ask the questions that they don't know how to ask yet. So um, I drink a lot of coffee on campus because um, I tell them that um, if you want to meet with me, I will buy you coffee. And you know what? I'm, I, my weeks are filled with conversations with, with young people that really want to talk about important things life, God, future. Um, how to make a difference in the world. Um, I have tremendous hope for uh, my students in this generation, and I think, um, I think that what they are looking for more than anything else are caring parents and adults that are willing to, to listen to them.
2: Tell me more about your writing partner, Kara Powell.
3: Yeah. So uh, Kara is the executive director of the Fuller Youth uh, Institute, uh, we uh, work hard to take our research and bring that into resources. Kara uh, is a faculty member as well at the Fuller Theological Seminary. Uh, she and her husband Dave are parents of, of teenagers. Uh, Jennifer, my wife, and I, we, uh, we have uh, three older daughters that are in their late teens and 20s, so we sort of have the gamut uh, here. And, you know, this book really not only came out of our research, uh, we've, uh, both Care and I have uh, been uh, youth pastors as well, so it's come out of ministry, uh, but it's also come out of our conversations just as parents a- as well. Um, uh, we wanted to write this book uh, as as compassionate researchers. Uh, parents, like probably a lot of your listeners, um, that are trying every day to do their best to be good parents and to support their kids and to uh, live faithfully to. Uh, what they've been called to. And so, um, uh, Karen and I talk a lot about uh, how this book really came out of conversations that we've had as we've tried to navigate parenting and uh, try to be uh, the best uh, parents that we can be for uh, our kids uh, as well.
2: Tell me this, Steve. Do you think young people are as entitled as we label them?
3: Yeah, it's a great question, Pat. And we would say absolutely absolutely. Uh, not. I, I think that uh, a lot of times what we see in the behaviors of young people is been misconstrued as uh, them being entitled. But uh, I think what we're finding is just because of uh, the world that they are living in, it's more of an issue of self-focus, where they are trying desperately to, um, to navigate a world where they're feeling less support, they're feeling more pressure, and as a result, they're they're trying to dig deeper into somehow making it in uh, this world. And so um, it's not really an issue of entitlement uh, that's the problem. I think that they're trying uh, to just uh, navigate a world where they just are feeling like they have less support.
2: What um, do you mean by keychain parroting?
3: Uh, yeah, great question. So... Um, Some of our research that we did for this book, Growing With, uh, uh, came out of uh, the research that we did for a previous book that uh, my colleagues wrote called Growing Young. And uh, one of the things we talked about in that book was this idea of keychain leadership. And this idea of the keys is sort of a metaphor. Um, You know, you give the keys to... Uh, your kid to drive the car. Uh, as, as soon as you, you do that, you're, you're giving them um, autonomy. You're giving them um, freedom. You're giving them responsibility. But I think what we're, we're discovering, even in parenting, the key, uh, even the keychain parenting, is you know how do we continue um, to set our kids up to. Um, uh, to uh, have a sense of, of advocacy for their own life, to have the sense of agency in the ways that they are living their lives, uh, we're finding that some research would suggest that only 55% of young people can really identify their passions or their skills right now. So I think as parents, if we can call out what we see in our kids and we give our kids responsibility and opportunity, it's through those experiences that they discover more about who they are and um, what they're passionate about and what do they want to be, and that's. Steve
2: Argue has been our guest, co-author of the book Growing With. We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando.
1: More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on ninety. Williams Power Hour on ninety-four point nine FM and AM nine fifty. The word now, once again, here's Pat.
2: Steve Argue was our guest in that first segment talking about his book Growing With. Kara uh, K. James is in Wichita Falls, Texas. Uh, she's up next. She's founder and executive director of Thrive Moms. Her book is out. It is called. Mom Up. David C. Cook is the publisher. Kara Kay, welcome. How are you?
4: I'm great. Thanks for having me.
2: Well, uh, I think the obvious first question is, what does Mom Up mean?
4: <laughs> well, it kind of started as a joke. Because um, we, when I started writing this book, I wanted to encourage moms and kind of call them out of just survival mode. And I thought, well, what are, what are men told when they are not doing what they're called to do? Well, they're told to man up. And so I said, well, what if I told moms to mom up? And, and then it just kind of stuck. And and so it's, it's really meant as an encouragement because moms are called to such an important role. And the job they're doing is so very important. And I wanted to remind moms of that, that you know, the job and the work that they do every day is one of the most important things that they will ever do in their lives. And it's not just about the everyday mundane of the tasks and the, you know, driving kids here and there, but um, there's so much more to it. And that if we can realize that and really step into that calling and and understand that, that we will Enjoy motherhood so much more and really understand the, the importance of the calling so much more.
2: Your book breaks down into five parts. Uh, let's get started. Part one is A Thriving Mom Is Made for More Motherhood Shattered from Survival Mode to Abundance, Ripping Off Labels. Uh, tell us about this first part.
4: Okay, so the first part is basically kind of what I just explained of really trying to um, help women understand how to step out of what, what I call survival mode and what so many you know, women understand that term of just getting by each and every day. And when I was a, a young new mom, I was told you're just supposed to get by and then someday your kids will be grown and you can get back to your life. I kept being told that and I thought there's got to be more to motherhood than this. There's got to be more to life than just getting by. And as I read my Bible and as I studied, I, you know, there was nothing in God's word that told me that I was just supposed to wait and get by and that Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give it to you in abundance. And I assumed that meant for me too as a mom. And so that's what I want to encourage moms to know and to understand that even though motherhood is hard, I I tell a story about how motherhood was kind of shattered for me because I I thought being a mom was going to be this glamorous, wonderful thing and it was nothing like I expected it to be. It was extremely hard. I, I had 3 kids in under 3 years and it was very, very difficult. I walked through postpartum anxiety, depression, lots of things that many women face and so I my ideals of what it meant to be a mom were shattered for me and and so I had, the only thing I could do was look to God and say, okay, m- you tell me what this means for me. What does being a mom mean when I can only look to you and all I have is you? And and that's where I began to understand what it looks like to walk in abundance as a mom, no matter how hard it was, no matter how difficult it was. And um, and then I, I discussed ripping off labels, which... Where we talk about, you know, we put these labels on ourselves, and we, you know, um, we call ourselves. We put, you know, the label of just even being a mom, and we make that the most important thing. But um, and then, you know, sometimes we put other labels on ourselves, like perfectionist or, you know, a, a go-getter, or things like this. And and those things might not necessarily always be a negative, but if we are always falling back to these labels that we put on ourselves then we are forgetting who God says we are. And so I'm reminding women of who God says that we are. And that's one of the most important things that we can do as moms and as leaders of our, you know, as our pointing our children to Christ is understanding who we are. So then we can point them and understand, you know, help them begin to understand who God made them to be as well. So that's kind of what it means to, and understand
2: what what it means as a thriving mom is made for more. Kara K. James is our guest. Her book is called "Mom Up." In part two, Kara K. Uh, we learn about a thriving mom is an intentional mom. Who am I? Unpacking. Never yours to begin with. The sweet spot. Uh, interesting topics, and I want you to tell us about them.
4: Sure. So, um. Being an intentional mom, I thought meant, okay, I have to um, sit on the floor and play cards with my son, or I have to play, you know, Legos with my daughter, or, you know, I have to just sit and look them in the eye. And I thought, okay, I I have it figured out. Now I'm an intentional mom. Um, But then I realized that being intentional went so much deeper than just focusing on them for five minutes every day. Um, And it... Here's where I really unpack, like I said, about really understanding who you are in Christ, um, because you can be an intentional parent when you really understand who God says you are, because then you can confidently walk in that, and you can be intentional in every area. Um, But a lot of times that means letting go of some of the things that we carry with us, and in Chapter Five, when we talk about unpack, it's called unpacking. We talk about unpacking baggage that we might bring into motherhood. Maybe it's from, you know, maybe some women didn't have a good relationship with their mom, and so they bring this baggage with them and say, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix that, and I'm gonna be the absolute best mom I can be." And they overdo it so much, and they're again struggling to build a relationship with their child because they are still focused on the baggage that they've brought with them. Um, and so it's important for us in being, in being intentional of really working on ourselves and working on our hearts first so that we can um, then turn and be intentional with our kids. And And in Chapter 6, we um, talk, it's called Never Years to Begin With, and I, three years ago, we, my family, we adopted a little boy, and um, this was such an eye-opening experience for me to, I had always kind of held my other kids, my, I had three kids first um, biologically, and I kind of held them really tight-fisted, you know, they're mine. I, they, you know, I grew them in my body, and I thought I had so much control over them, but I, after adopting my son, really opened my eyes to the fact that none of these kids were ever really mine to begin with. And it helps me understand that our children are just a gift from him. And the best that we can do is to understand that because when we can always give them back to him each and every day and say, Lord, these children are yours. I'm going to do the best that I can do. But I'm not going to try to make them something that, you know, I want them to be. I want them to be who God wants them to be. And so that was really, you know, life-changing for me to understand that I, I don't have the control over my kids like I <laughs> would like to sometimes and like so many parents would like to. Um, and if we can understand it and see them just as a gift that the, that the Lord has given us just on loan from Him while we get this wonderful opportunity to grow them up in him. Um, And then we talk about the sweet spot. And that's just really understanding how each one of our kids are so incredibly different and finding that sweet spot as a parent to connect with them intentionally in the way that works for them. Um, Instead of just trying to be like a parent in this box of, okay, I'm going to be this kind of mom. And um, it's really beginning to understand that I can be this person for this child, and I can um, love this child in this specific way because each one of our kids needs something different. And, and so I can't stand here and tell mom, this is how you love your kids. This is how you're intentional with your kids. We have to really learn and understand them as they grow in each and every season of their lives so we can connect with them more
2: intentionally. Kara K. James is with us, her book, Mom Up!, Uh, Kara K. We're at part three. A thriving mom lives in genuine community. We need each other. It's a trap. First comes love. Then comes marriage. It's all yours.
4: All right. So a thriving mom lives in genuine community. I realized early on as a mom, when I was trying to do it all on my own, I realized I can't. I can't do this on my own. And God has put some really incredible people around me to help me be the best mom that I can be for my kids. And, and so I really just want to encourage moms to look around them and understand that we need the people around us. And, you know, some women really struggle in community, which I have always done that as well, because I, I'm kind of a perfectionist. So I want to do things on my own. And so a lot of times, I say, "Oh well, I don't need I don't need help with that because I can do it all by myself." And and so, really, just understanding that we do need each other, and it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to come alongside each other because we can be so much better, and we we don't fall apart quite as much when we are able to lean on each other. And and then we talk about in chapter nine, we talk about it's a trap. How um, there's so much comparison out there between between women especially and how we need to break down some of those walls of comparison. And, um, we have to stop looking at each other and, um, trying to be like each other or trying to fight against each other, but we can really begin to grow and inspire one another. Um, and then finally in chapter 10, (coughs) excuse me, um, we talk about, um, marriage and how, um, while I understand that there are many, many amazing single moms out there raising great kids. and um, I wanted to kind of speak, you know, just take a little bit of the book to speak to women who are married and how their spouse can be such a valuable partner to them. and and how we can be such better parents when we can work together with our spouse and when we're not, you know, trying to defy each other or, um, we're, when we really can get on the same page and we can work together as a team and, and understand that putting our marriage first before our parenting is so important because it's just so valuable as we, you know, understand that our kids will only be in our home for about 18 years, if we're lucky. Hopefully they'll move, <laughs> move on someday. But um, it's so important for us to know and understand the, the value of our marriage that's in front of us.
2: Kara K. James is with us now, Kara K. In part four, A Thriving Mom Rests in the Lord. Step away from the Starbucks guilt-free zone. What do you truly have to fear? Interesting topics, right?
4: Yes, very interesting. Um, This is a a hard one for me. I'm not very good at rest. Um, I have four kids. I write books and I'm busy. And so I'm usually going, I'm always going. And so for me, taking time to rest is very, very difficult. And so when I start to, um, to really begin to understand and to write these chapters, and I asked God, okay, what does it really mean for me to rest in you when I'm a busy mom? Um, mm-hmm. And I was seeing so many moms were running to these worldly indulgences, and this chapter is called Step Away from Starbucks, which is, you know, just not really saying that Starbucks is bad. I love I love my Starbucks, but um, it's more just um, understanding that our worldly indulgences will not give us the rest that we need. Um, while it's, it's great to go have a coffee or get a, you know, get a manicure or do something that we enjoy those. are not the things that will actually bring us rest when we are when our souls are and our bodies are just you know completely weary and worn out from pouring out pouring out pouring out, pouring out to our kids. And so I I'm hoping that women can understand the importance of what it means to rest in the Lord.
2: Our guest is Kara K. James. We got another segment with Kara K talking about her book, her book, Mom Up. When we come back, part five, a thriving mom embraces chaos. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. And remember, faith comes by here.
1: More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950.
2: The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Kara K. James has authored the book Mom Up. She's With Us from her home in Texas. And uh, as advertised, Kara K. we've arrived at part five. A thriving mom embraces chaos. Finding joy in the chaos. Rock bottom. I Can mom today uh, tell us all about it?
4: Okay, so embracing chaos. Every mom knows what it's like to live in chaos, whether you have one kid or seven kids. Motherhood just comes with chaos, and sometimes we can let the chaos get the best of us, and so I'm really just trying to encourage moms how to find joy in the midst of the chaos because I know firsthand that I let the chaos get the best of me sometimes, and I I get overwhelmed and I get frustrated. And but when I can look at my children as gifts, and I can see the the chaos as joy and as um, not as a burden, and um, I can enjoy and embrace that chaos a little bit better. And so. We walk through, um, we walk through Philippians a little bit in this chapter, and just understanding what what joy means and how we can really find joy no matter what our circumstances look like. Because if anybody knew what trouble and chaos looks like, it was Paul, and he he shared so much about, and he always talked about joy, and, um, and so I always look to him and his example as finding that joy, no matter what our circumstances look like. And, and, and then I talk about, because sometimes our chaos doesn't necessarily just mean the kids are loud and crazy. Sometimes our chaos can mean that we've hit rock bottom in some way. And maybe we, you know, maybe we've lost a job and we're struggling to make ends meet, or maybe we, our marriage is going through a really trying time or um, for me personally, a year ago, right when I was turning in my manuscript for this book, um, we found out that my son who was, he was two at the time and he needed a a very intense surgery, um, on his skull. And so it was a very scary thing. And, um, we weren't sure what it all meant and what, what would happen. And, um, but the Lord showed me that I could find joy in those you know, rock bottom circumstances, the chaos, if you will, to really seek him and I can you can find peace and you can find joy no matter what those circumstances look like. Because when when we're we're seeking him each and every day and we're we're walking in this abundant life with him, which is the goal here for us, and then we're able to find joy when everything falls apart around us. And I remember when the doctor told us that, you know, our son needed the surgery and, and there was all, all these things that were going on with him, I felt, I felt nothing but joy and peace because the Lord had been showing me what it meant like, meant to walk in abundance with him and how I could find that joy in the midst of hard times and in the midst of the chaos. And so, um, when I say that, you know, I can mom today, there's so many things out there and telling us, you know, oh, I can't, I can't do it today. I, I can't adult today. I can't mom today. And, and I wanted to encourage women, you can, because um, just, you know, going back to what Paul says in Philippians, through Christ, we can do anything. And that means the really hard stuff. That means the chaotic stuff. And we can walk through this and find joy in all of these circumstances whenever we keep our eyes and our, our, our minds focused on Him, Instead of falling into, you know, frustration or anger or um, just allowing the mundane to overtake us, and um, we can look to him and ask for joy in those in those times, and we we truly can find it.
2: Kara Kay, the conclusion is simply called "It's Time." Uh, how do you wrap up your book? What's that mean?
4: So I just it's a it's a call to women to say. It's time. It's time to mom up. It's time to to thrive um, with grace. It's time to stop um, wallowing in our messes. You know, every day we all mess up, but it's time to to understand who we are as moms, as women, as Christ, and say, you know, I I am going to stand firm in who God says I am. I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on on Jesus. I'm going to point my children to Him. I'm going to pray for my children. I'm going to fight for my marriage, um, and I'm going to continue to point my home um, toward that abundant life that we seek. And so, it's um, when I say it's time. It's just it's almost this like battle cry of okay, it's time. It's time to go to work. It's time to um, stop, you know, just getting by each and every day. But it's time to figure out how to thrive right where we are in the midst of all the craziness and the chaos, but it's time to walk um, in this calling of motherhood.
2: Uh, I'm intrigued with uh, your ministry. It's simply called Thrive Moms. Can you tell us more about it? Yeah, sure.
4: So um, Thrive Moms is uh, mostly an online ministry. We do provide um, resources for local ministries. For local um, groups and ministries, so if a, a church wants to start a local group, we provide a lot of resources for that. Um, but we write Bible study resources, and we have an app that has a lot of free devotional resources for moms. So we want to provide a lot of resources to push moms back to God's Word each and every day um, to help them thrive in motherhood. So that's really what it's all about, is just helping walk alongside moms and helping them thrive. Um as opposed to just surviving in motherhood.
2: Um, what's next for you? Do you have another book in your pipeline?
4: I do. I actually have 3 Bible studies that are coming out in September of this year.
2: And and what uh, what's their what are they about? What what do they include?
4: Um, there's going to be there's three separate studies. One is about abundance, one is about freedom, and one is about rest. And they're Bible studies written um for any woman really but specifically a lot of the messages for moms so it you know speaks a lot to moms in um, different seasons of life and and just helps you know moms get into God's word every day and and dig into those three themes of what those means for them
2: uh, Kara Kay um, I want you to uh, expand on one topic for us and that yes. is advice to expecting mothers and how to survive the chaos of motherhood. What do you tell them?
4: I tell them to um, understand that life is going to be different and just to um, really begin to understand who you are in this season and who God made you to be. Um, Because becoming a new mom can, can completely change you, and sometimes it's hard for new moms to understand who they are now because you feel like your whole world has changed and everything is different and, and you struggle to find your identity. And so I always encourage new moms to really understand that their identity comes from Christ and, and begin to dig into that identity. That was life changing for me when I was a new mom. And, and that's some of the best advice I was ever given. And it's what I always turn and give to new moms just to really um, don't lose who their, where their identity comes from.
2: What do you think is the most common mistake new moms make? Have you, have you figured that out?
4: I think a lot of times it's that we try to do it all ourselves. Um, Mm And we, you know, moms try, we think, okay, well, I, I'm the mom, so I'm supposed to know how to do all of this. We think it's supposed to be like an instinctive thing to know how to do everything and most, most moms are afraid to ask for help. And, and, um, and so I think that that's something that we all, not, not every mom, but I think a lot of new moms miss, um, that it's okay to ask for help and that it's okay to, um, know and understand that everyone else, you know, all the other moms were new at this at some point too, you know, figuring this out by themselves at one point. So I think it's just really understanding that. It's okay to ask for help and to do what you can to um, bring those people alongside
2: you to do. Kara Kay, many thanks. So glad you could join us. Happy to talk to thanks you. Thanks for having me. The name of the book is "Mom Up." We've got a wrap up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's ninety four point nine FM and AM nine fifty. The Word in Orlando
1: more of the pat williams power hour in just a moment on 94.9 fm and am 950 the word you're listening to the pat williams power hour on 94.9 fm and am 950 the word now once again here's pat
2: folks thanks so much for joining us here on the pat williams saturday power hour Steve Argue was with us in the first segment from Pasadena, California, talking about his book, Growing With. And then Kara K. James, plugged in from Texas, talking about her book, Mom Up. Please visit my website. It's patwilliams.com. The Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And uh, check out my new book. It's just out. It's called Character Carved in Stone about the 12 values that I learned about on the campus at West Point. And uh, Mike Krzyzewski, the Duke basketball coach, a West Point Grant, has written the foreword. I think you'll enjoy it. Amazon, always a wonderful way to order books. And it's in bookstores as well. Uh, have a wonderful weekend, folks. We're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando.
1: Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at the same time where faith comes by hearing. 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word.